Product Coffee, a podcast where product management leaders share stories, advice, and thoughts on all things product over a cup of coffee. Grab a cup of joe and join us to level up your product career 30 minutes at a time. Today we're going to talk about um, product strategy, long-term collaboration with leadership, kind of uh, re-strategizing, all, all of the above. Um, I think many product leaders right now are currently thinking about what um, that six to 12 months looks like and what it should look like and how to communicate about it, how to uh, theme it out, like uh, how best to make sense of, of what we're doing. And I know, um, Lou, if you want to kick off with some of the challenges you're experiencing or things that are top of mind, we can go from there. Yeah. Well, I think, I think fundamentally what's kind of kicking me and, and this is something I've just recognized for us over the last few months is that I think product managers and, and myself included, like you can kind of sometimes enter the rabbit hole, right? You've been with your product or you've been on your team for long enough. And eventually it, all you see is just those incremental little improvements, you know, that you're kind of not taking a look at that, that bigger, longer term vision and asking yourself, are we truly are we truly making some strides there? Are we truly taking some risks? And as I kind of started looking through this brainstorming board, I'd have to admit one of the frustrations that I had as I looked here and I was just like, I'm seeing the same thing I've seen for years. Like, you know, is it, is it time to change it up? Is it time to like, take a look at this and actually question if we're doing the right thing versus just, you know, doing the thing that we know is going to get us one or 2% difference next year, you know? I think that's kind of so where I'm at. It sounds like, like from that, it sounds like you guys have had this flag in the sand, this place that you're heading towards and now pausing and reflecting on what work was done, what decisions were made and what decisions we want to make. It doesn't fully align with where that flag is in the sand. And now it's time to reevaluate where that is and, and move it. Is that right? I think so. I think also as well, it's just like, how do you tie all the, disjointed pieces together, right? If you get to a point where your company has multiple products, the products are, you know, starting to look different from here, here and there. How do we, how do we pull it back together into one cohesive thing so that we can also inspire people to say, Hey, we're working on this because of this so that we can do this. And, you know, sometimes if those things get too disjointed, it it makes it hard to come come up with that cohesive vision. I don't know if Zach, you're struggling with the same thing, but you know, that's kind of where we've been for a little bit. Yeah. I, I think it'll be interesting to compare notes because I'm in a much smaller organization than you. Like yeah. uh, our company is like 67 people at this point. And I think, I think yours is 600 and some, maybe more. Yeah. We're probably point. closing in on 700 at this yeah. point. Yeah. So wow. if, in order of magnitude larger, <laughs> but um, I think some of the fundamental questions are similar. Um so I'm at Coupon Follow, which has been around for a decade, um, but it was a very small kind of small team operation for the first seven or eight years, and we're now trying to reinvent ourselves. Um, so some similar questions of like, there's a core product that has been profitable um, that has worked for about a decade for us, um, but we've also kind of hit a certain barrier where we that product line isn't going to take us any farther, and so. To go like beyond that, is plateaued essentially. Yeah, it, it, it's 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 plateaued quite a bit, and so uh, I mean the the there's been some growth, but it's it's very much 
very slight linear growth. And I think, mm. you know, what, what we're looking for is how do we, how do we greatly increase that? Hockey way stick. To do that how do you get to uh, that hockey stick? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And the way to do that requires a strategy shift, right? Um, so we have to rethink what is it we're actually trying to accomplish? Um, and how do we, how do we think about specific problems that we maybe see in the market? How do we have a specific vision of what the future looks like in our industry? Um, and I think one of the big pieces I'm trying to look at is, uh, what makes us unique in a, in a crowded market? Uh, Lou, you're yep. probably, in, you're probably in a very <laughs> space. I, um, you know, it's funny. That's, it's so true that what makes us unique in a crowded market is literally what I was spending an hour and a half thinking about today. Mm-hmm. Or like since this morning. And yeah, I mean, I think that is, that is one of the struggles, right? Like you can, if you're in a crowded market, you can attempt to achieve dominance by spent outspending other people. You can attempt to achieve dominance by out innovating other people or just creating reliability. But like, yeah, I mean, that's, <laughs> that is the fundamental question. I'm, I'm kind of curious, Kevin, what your, what your approach is to, uh, to that particular piece. Yeah, I think um, crowded marketplaces is always a good opportunity. I think you got you got to treat it as that, and then you know, looking at each competitor or um, product within that marketplace tends to be just feature hell, right? Like everyone has, it's just a competition of, oh yeah, well we have this feature. Oh yeah, well we have this feature, and then we do this feature really well, and we do this one really well, but. Uh, you're kind of, you, you get further and further after that market maturity from the basics. And I think it's a good opportunity to remind yourself, what are the basics of the product and how can we do those basics better than the competition? And that should be the strategy in a crowded marketplace. Cause I think that's they, people lose sight of that. Right. And, and then what ends up hurting is the basics. And so, you know, reinvesting into the core foundation and doing that very well in different ways and not making it um a design nightmare right like a a a very hard user experience because they're coming to you for a reason make that reason the the easiest thing you know make that the easiest thing for them to accomplish with your product and and you'll do well you know if you if you keep focused on that i think outside of that if you are doing that and there's other people that are doing it better understand and then try to innovate. Right. Um, so that, that's the way I think of that. And then for our perspective, like that, that's a challenge. I think with any startup, you're kind of growing so fast, like Zach, we're a similar size company or I'm at shopping gives and, um, any company like that is just trying to survive, right? It's like a survival mode. There is some level of product market fit. If you've achieved 60 people, right? Like you've had the enough, um, you know, uh, fitting in the business to keep going, but then it's this plateaued growth that we just talked about. And then same, I would imagine with Lou, what you guys are experiencing too, is just like, how do you change that curve as much as possible within that marketplace? Well, Um, it's funny. It's funny. Like, you know, one of the thoughts that I was having this morning and not to, not to get into the, like, okay, started out like, yeah, this is definitely frustrating. Right. Woke up this morning and kind of banged my head against the desk as I looked at it. And I mean, now let's take a start at like where I guess you start on this. Yeah. And sometimes what I like to do is instead of just, okay, 
here's what all the things that we could do that we know about what we're doing today. It's like, all that does is just trap you in that, in that idea rabbit hole, right? Like you're already, you've already thought about stuff. So, you know, like you need to take a step back. And so I started asking myself this question this morning, which is like, why don't, why don't I, why don't I as a user use our product more? You know, what would it take for me? And I, and I know that sounds kind of weird, but like, I feel like you have to be able to sit back and like, if you can't reflect on your own products and like, you know, think about them in your context as a user, yeah, you may not be your ideal demographic, but Hey, you know, I heard it from a pot at another podcast at one point, they said, look, if you have a challenge or product idea or anything else, or you're thinking something, chances are in this country of 300 million people, so are a couple million others. And so if you can sit back and say, why am I struggling to use this product? Chances are you're, you're in the same boat as like half the market that you're looking after, right? Like that's perfect for consumer technology, right? Because you have that opportunity to test. I think when you're at like a SaaS company and that's very hard, like one, one um, tool that we've done is during the onboarding process, we actually ask our new hires to go set up a store, go download the app, go set this up and activate. And we just monitor. And so it's a good opportunity to like have them take notes and us walk in and visualize the pain points and frustrations that they're experiencing. Um, when you can't actually like, you know, use the consumer product. I think that's a good opportunity to do something. Theme I'm hearing from both of you is this idea of being really connected with your user or your customer, yeah. which is like obvious and is always talked about, but is one of those things <laughs> that it's like, it's always true as well. And so I think part of the strategy is trying to understand like, what are pain points you can actually go after um, and making sure that those things are real. Lou, you talked about like, if, if you're having specific issues, there's likely some others that are, I think I'd add to that. It's often better to try and hone in on a specific problem that makes life way easier for a small group of people than trying to solve the broad strokes. I think this is a mistake I made a lot in my earlier product career is you try and build for the millions that you're hoping to get, right? Or the, maybe you have millions of users on your core product. And you know this was, this was an assumption I made at Ibotta where it's like, hey, we have millions of users. So it's kind of a given that if I introduce this new feature in our app that I'm also going to have access to all those users. And I think anyone who's built products at scale will know that yeah. that's not necessarily true. Um, and one of the problems can be building for too, too wide an audience makes a yeah. generic product that doesn't solve any problems well enough mm. and therefore yeah, doesn't get a lot of adoption. And so kind of paradoxically, one of the best things you can do is try and find a really specific pain point for a smaller group or even, you know, a few people that, is, you know, a world's different improvement for the specific problem they have. Um, and a lot of times that can lead to wider adoption because sometimes that, that problem is, is maybe a little bit more hidden, um, or that's interesting. It's like customizable product experiences. Like how do you personalize product experience to that segment of users? Or like, I think we're struggling with that now because it's such a highly customizable product and there's so many features, but like a segment of those users use it in this way. And so how do we make that experience with that users seamless, frictionless and easy? And then we can continue to bucket these things out and solve for it that way. Yeah. I mean, I think it's hard like when, with all the different, uh, yeah, uh, variations that you can kind of go through, but totally. Yeah. 
I think part part of the hardest thing about product strategy is is that focus and you know what it kind of the classic like what are you saying no to? It's kind of become uh, buzzwordy at this point, but like seriously, what trade offs are you making? It's not strategy if you're not making a trade off that's kind of painful. You know, it's funny that you guys kind of both put it in there, especially in that like how do I customize the product experience? Because that was actually literally on my brain si- brainstorm board this morning. And as we think about it, it's like you know, there's kind of two dichotomies there, right? Like maybe at some point you also have to recognize, hey, you know, we've maybe solved this particular problem as far as we're going to be able to solve it. And we need to start moving on to solving another problem, right? Like even with our browser extension, which I still, you know, work on as, as you know, kind of a squadly, like, you know, we've, we've basically said like, we can just do little iterations to solve like some of these things in the, you know, in this particular experience, we need to move on and we need to start solving somebody else's problem. And I think that kind of gets to the same point, right? Like taking that step back and saying, yeah, what are those problems that truly need to be solved in order to make this a successful product? And then how can we not only do that for a single product, but how can we do that for an org? You know, how can we take, take that entire step and say, all right, the solution this one individual product might have will help the quality of that product, but how do we do it for a bigger org? And I think that's the next question too, right? How do, yeah, that's a, maybe that we can get more tactical there is like, how do we uh, move the conceptual to, to tactical here? So what um, visual tools can we use to represent these items? How do we represent those items? Are there any exercises that we could do with leadership to brainstorm and get these ideas out and, you know, um, in a document, like what's the, what's the logical path here that you guys have taken in the past? I think start with, Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, start with solutions, not just problems. Right. Hmm. I think that's like the first thing always working. And that's, I think where, you know, I'm kind of coming from this morning is like, I always like to go into a conversation with SLT or even other product leaders and just think, I've sat here and I've thought about this enough to arrive at a solution. It may not be the best solution, but I have something that I want to like, you know, present. So I think taking that time to, to like own it yourself as a leader and think about like, Hey, I need to come up with something and that something is going to be my first pitch. And you know what, if we get into a group of people who are all going to pitch something, chances are we're either going to start seeing patterns and similarities or, we're going to look at all those things and go, all right, now we've got some unique ideas. Let's, let's make some choices, you know? So I think, I think that's the first part is like, sit down as yourself and think of something. It doesn't have to be great, but something is always a start. And I think it also kicks off that mental mindset of now you're thinking about it and now you're searching and now you can let that, those opportunities expand. But I think it gets too easy sometimes to just, you know, how do I even get started is probably the first question that many people would ask. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think it's easy to get caught up in the high level and theoretical in strategy and not know how to, to actually start working against it. Um, so one of the things I've done is I write up a document where it says, you know, based on our mission of this our and our vision of, of this for the company in, say, five to 10 years, um, you know, we we want to get there by this, these potential strategies. And, you know, then from there, breaking it down into specific tactics. Um, we think 
X, Y, and Z are ways we could achieve this that we want to test. Here's some of the metrics related to those things. Uh, and so here's a very rough plan. It's almost like a, a higher level version of a roadmap, um, but you tie it to what are the tactics that support the direction of getting to that vision? And that's, that's essentially your strategy. Is that the order of operations that you work on that? Zach, mm-hmm. or is it- yeah, so mission, vision, uh, this like how do you achieve pillar. like yeah those pillars like how do you how do you get to that point right? So you look at I mean you look at your your vision and the mission you're trying to accomplish and you think how could we realistically get there? So let's say your vision is to uh, you know let's let's take Facebook's vision which is like make the world more open and connected. That's incredibly broad, but there are a lot of ideas to that. And so your strategy is like, based on where the industry is headed in the next five to 10 years, and based on our company, how might we make the world more open and connected? And then put together a hypothesis. The, the problem is there's not going to be a clear answer. Like we're not in product because mm-hmm. there, there is an easy couple of answers and we just pick one, right? It's It's a lot more ambiguous than that. But... That's where you have to put on your, your, you know, creativity and your analytical hats and and try and think about like, what will make our company relevant five years from now, based on where uh, the industry is headed, uh, based on what consumers are interested in, based on, you know, market landscape. um, And, and then what, what do we choose that we think takes us in that direction? And then the tactics are the more discrete steps. So again, in the, for the example of Facebook, make the world more open and connected, some of those strategic pillars might be um, broaden the reach of Facebook to places where people don't have easy access to internet because they've kind of tapped out the market in terms of most you know internet users in places that have easy access to internet. Another strategic pillar might be what's the future of computing look like? What technologies are people going to be adopting and how do we be relevant in social technology 10 years from now, realizing that uh, virtual reality is likely a part of that. Augmented reality is likely a part of that. Crypto is likely a part of that. So those might be elements or strategic pillars that they factor in. I'm just kind of making things yeah. up at this point, but you get the idea. These start to be strategic pillars. A strategic pillar is gives you more direction of, we think we have to do these five, four or five activities to be relevant in five years. Um, and then the tactics are, what are specific tests or hypotheses that we can go start to build and test to validate if going in that direction is correct. And so again, for the open internet thing, they might test building a a device that they can take to places, you know, or we know they worked on or working on planes, right. But they can start to test a small scale device is, is one of the tactical steps or for VR, they can start to test maybe an integration with, with a company like Oculus before obviously making an acquisition. You can start to break down how would you go about trying to get there. And then along the way, you do the product things where you uh, create a hypothesis, you build a, a small scale test as possible to validate your hypothesis. You have metrics that help prove the way you're going. And then you create a feedback loop so that you can adjust tactics to help align with your strategy and occasionally adjust strategic pillars, but the mission and vision should remain roughly the same right. for yeah. the most part. So, so to uh, revisit an earlier comment, you said um, it, it, in, in Lou had in the chat, <laughs> you mean there's no easy answer. <laughs> there's no <laughs> codified output. And I think that's something that frustrates me all the time. Like this isn't a, 
equation. It's not a math equation. It, we're not, um, the strategy is not a computer or an engineering problem. It's, it's not uh, a formula. It's, it's yeah, not, just it's not a formula. formula and it, I think that's super, it's a, it's a great takeaway that like you can set yourself up, um, and you could, uh, think about all these inputs to that equation, but it, <laughs> it's not an equation. And so things, variables change constantly. We're all humans. We all think, you know, um, we're not machines. And so, um, it, it's an interesting blend of doing as much upfront work to set yourself up for success, but be able to, um, um, what's the term, uh, improvise when, when variables happen. Yeah, that, absolutely. <laughs> well, um, what homework can we give to the users here for this week? The users, our listeners, <laughs> our user minds. Who are our users? Yeah. <laughs> I think generally speaking, like I said, getting started is always the hardest thing, right? Whether it's Miro, a notepad, a document, a PowerPoint presentation, whatever it is that you want to make, sit down and just create an artifact that shows an idea of something that, you know, of a direction that you could go. It can, and like I said, it can be literally anything and it's okay to have that thing not be anywhere near correct. But I think getting over that fear of just starting is yeah. something that many people struggle with, especially when they're thinking about strategy. So mm-hmm. I think that would be the Open first up a document, get a, get a notepad, just start writing. It's just, yeah, just stream of consciousness, thoughts here, what you're thinking. And then that helps you kind of get over that hump of starting and then you, you go move on to refinement, right? Yeah, I'd, I'd fully agree with that. I think I used to have this fear of not having everything perfectly thought out because it would like prove that I'm not smart enough or something like that. There's some imposter syndrome there maybe, but uh, it's better to just start something than to yeah. have it perfect. Um, and it, it's better to have a good strategy that you can re- like you can make progress on than to try and have the perfect strategy. Because by the time you have the perfect strategy, things will have changed and it will no longer be the perfect strategy. So, uh, you know, shoot for no perfect strategy. There's also, yeah, there's no such thing as perfect. So, um, you want good, but you also want to make sure that you're, you're making progress. Don't get bogged down trying to be perfect. This is coming from someone who's, who's been there before. Um, in terms of homework, there are two books that I've found really helpful on strategy that I recommend people take a look at. Not that you have to go read two entire books between now and the next product coffee, but I would recommend looking at them if you're in the middle of trying to figure out strategy. One is called um, Understanding Michael Porter. Michael Porter was a American academic who had a lot of theories on economics and business strategy, and he kind of sat in the middle of theory and actual uh, practice. And he's kind of one of the seminal thinkers in, in competition and business strategy. And the book Understanding Michael Porter is a relatively small read comparative to his like research papers that is, is super, super good. So check that out. Also check out Zero to One uh, by Peter Thiel. Um, he has a lot of interesting thoughts about the nature of competition. So those things will help give you some grounding in the very concepts of competition and strategy themselves. Awesome. Well, thank you guys. Um, Thanks for listening. Go subscribe, rate, review, comment, share, all the fun stuff, and uh, go level up.